Welcome to the New Books Network. Minute Film Fanatics, you know how this podcast works. I'll just tell you what we're doing this week. We're doing a movie from 1981 called Cutter's Way, directed by Ivan Passer. It's, it's like that Jeff Bridges movie where even though you're a Jeff Bridges fan, uh, you've never seen it. So it just kind of came up on my feed. I said, why not? I had 90 minutes. And then I texted you, Dan, as soon as it was over. I don't really have your reaction to the film overall. So in part one, that's what we do. Dan, I texted you, you have to watch this movie. We both love Jeff Bridges. What'd you think? I thought it was great. And it was a great recommendation. I think that the things that are great about this movie eclipse the things that are really silly about it. I don't think it's a perfect movie and I'm not trying to sound like a jerk and I hope it's not too late, but you know, this is really two movies. The first is how do you deal with somebody who's been traumatized by war and is around other people who can't experience that, don't know what it's like or have moved on, right? And the second is this Scooby-Doo kind of Hardy Boys murder mystery. The first movie is far more interesting than the second. Um, Not to sound callous, but I didn't care about the girl in the garbage can. You don't even know who that is. That girl is not like Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks or something. And Cord, the big oil baron they go after, he's not Noah Cross in Chinatown or something. He's just a guy with sunglasses that he sees on a horse at the parade. Um, But I think it's a great movie about Vietnam. And I could not believe, I mean, yeah, we all like Jeff Bridges. It's not controversial to say you like Jeff Bridges. It's like liking Paul Newman or something. But how about John Hurd? Holy cow, explodes in this movie. This guy's whole life, people look at him and say, oh, you're Macaulay Culkin's dad in Home Alone. Yeah, I really like that movie. Why? He must be like, "Um, did anybody see Cutter's Way? Anyone? Anyone? He is so good in this that even when he's not on, when he's not on screen, it's like when you watch Godzilla and they're talking about Godzilla and you're like, when is Godzilla coming back on? So there's this whole section where Jeff Bridges has a love affair with with, um, John Hurd's wife. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's get, let's have him walk in or do something. So I thought it was a, It was a great pick that shows you what an actor who's inspired, who totally inhabits a role like that can do. Yeah, he absolutely comes out of nowhere. When I when I watched it, as I just said, I I thought that this was a Jeff Bridges movie. I I actually watched it because I've seen pretty much everything Jeff Bridges has ever been in except this movie. So you're like, okay, I guess I have to. But it's not a Jeff Bridges movie. Uh, It's a it's a John Hurd movie. And I think. I think him as Godzilla is exactly correct. He just cra- he crashes every scene that he's in. He's j- he's just a walking disaster. And I think part of the part of the reason that the crime plot almost doesn't almost doesn't work, although he holds it together, is that that he is the criminal. He is the bad guy. Right. He that's and that's that's how the movie runs. His insistence on something called justice, which means crashing a party uh, on horseback and running people down, uh, is. It's 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 lunatic, but there's there's a kind of lunatic sense that surrounds him that envelops the entire film and draws you in. He's like a black hole at the center of the movie. 
from the very first scene he's in, because as you remember, I just watched it yesterday. The first scene you really get to see him talk is Jeff Bridges goes to a bar. He leaves the woman in the hotel room that he seduced to try to get her to buy a boat. Who, by the way, that woman is also Sterling Hayden's wife in The Long Goodbye. I, I didn't know that. Another movie. So anyway, he goes to the bar, Cutter's there, Cutter's way, you know, three sheets to the wind. And you remember that Cutter um, uses the N-word. And a bunch of guys in the bar start to look at him and get mad. And then Cutter starts to say to Jeff Bridges, well, what's the matter? I, I've heard you say that. And the movie gets so tense. It's like when Joe Pesci in Goodfellas says, do you think I'm do I'm here to amuse you? It's that same kind of thing. So you're kind of like, oh, my God, like, who is this guy? And right from the beginning, he's unpredictable and he's unlikable and he's dangerous. Yeah. And the truth is that, again, it's villainous what he does right. what he does in that scene is villainous right if this if the scene concluded if the scene concludes with um uh with uh alex cutter getting uh getting his you know butt kicked and getting dragged out of the bar you would never say uh he didn't have a coming he he, he does he, have a he, coming. Is, he is a guy who has a coming what happens to him at the at what ha what happens to him in life he has a coming and you 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 get the sense that because something maybe something maybe came his way once that he didn't have coming right he what he what he yeah, wants that was now Vietnam. is a, right that was what Vietnam, he wants yeah. what he wants now is a pass right right to to do to do whatever and you can't do whatever right like the 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 right the the sense is that the movie is not on the side of alex because in that in that scene with what what's happening the characters are uncomfortable we're uncomfortable the screenwriters are uncomfortable everybody's uncomfortable because the the behavior is utterly inexcusable right the way he treats his wife it's utterly inexcusable. The way he treats everybody, his friends, is utterly inexcusable. Yeah, and that's why, and the movie keeps doubling down on that because as you remember, things get really tense in the movie and then he smacks her. And you're like, how long are we going to be in the same movie with this guy? Because sometimes he does things that are very funny, like when he shoots the target at the, at the shooting gallery when, when he wants Jeff Bridges to go on. And I think that's what I meant before about the about how this is really two movies. So you go through the murder plot, like the dead girl's sister, two days after the girl's murdered, she's there at the typewriter at the kitchen table. And the idea is they're going to extort this oil baron. To, and it's like the most cockamamie, like meddling kids plot ever. Like, why not? They're like, we'll get him to give us the money. And then we'll go to the district attorney why don't you just go to the district attorney now and like all these other things like jeff bridges goes to give the letter and then later he says i couldn't hand the letter in but he doesn't throw the letter away or when the, at the end of the movie when, when they make he makes believe he's a chauffeur and they're going to crash the party right and then they talk about whether they should do this once they're through the gates and even like the fake chauffeur thing is so silly but then you get Cutter's speech about why he wants to get even. And he says, you know what? Their ass is never on the line. It's always somebody else. And that's what he wants to strike back at. And that draws a line right to Vietnam. And this is about a guy who, as flawed and as broken as he is, because he is like, he's a he's an unwhole person, right? We see that. He's like Richard III in some ways. He's not a complete human being physically, and he's broken emotionally. He wants to at least say to a world that doesn't make sense to him, you know what? Like, at least I fought back. At least I stood up because remember what Jeff Bridges did during the war? Yeah, he stayed home. Yeah, he went to college and he calls him Mr. Ivy League. So they knew each other, that, which is great because I love my favorite phrase Mike has ever said on the podcast is when people have history without flashbacks. So there's no flashback, but you find out in that one telling argument that they knew each other before the war. They knew, knew each other for a long time and that Jeff Bridges went to college and got this cushy job at the marina. It's a it's a wonderful performance, but it's a performance without charm. This is not um, 
there's certain there's certain villains he's he's not the joker or somebody right. walking around and you go wow um i i know i should find that reprehensible but i really you know i really enjoy when he puts the pencil through that guy's eye no everything that he everything that he does is utterly morally reprehensible but you you can't believe that somebody that somebody could act that way he there's a there's a funny thing in the scene in the bar where uh he he starts calling people by characters names from Moby Dick right which which is to say I, maybe I didn't go to college maybe I got blown up but I'm at least but I'm better read than you are and what what he is is he is he is Ahab right he he inhabits the world of this film like Ahab because everything that he does is it's not just it's not just disgusting so the author can wink at you and say uh bet you didn't think I was going to do that Right. It's 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 stuff that that touches us at a core level where we go, I wish I hadn't seen that. I wish I hadn't just heard that. But he he continually violates our norms, which is also how we tell that our norms are intact, because when he does it, I'm not OK with it. And the reason I'm not OK with it is because I I have the norm there and I can I can feel that it's been violated. But at the same time, it's like, well, how far how far could I go in order for the scales to balance for what happens to me with what I'm doing? And the film explores how how far they can dip beyond the the level of okay. And to recognize an Ahab, you have to have Ahab's counterpart, which is of course not Ishmael, but Starbuck. Exactly. And that's and that's who Jeff Bridges is in the movie, which just occurred to me, right? So Starbuck on the chase third day when he's telling Ahab, just leave it alone. That's Jeff Bridges saying, I don't want to talk about this. I've been asked about this by the cops for eight hours. Just leave it alone. You're not going to make this connection. And that's what he he wants to just go back to the marina and and seduce housewives. Right. And the whole right. Well, actually, I didn't think about the boat thing, but I guess they do actually live close to water it's like a west coast moby dick right because yeah. because the 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 sense of alex cutter and the the utter vi oh actually he limps around okay oh. actually th this fits much better than i than i originally thought um right but so right so he's limping around and and what he's saying to people is talk not to me of blasphemy i'd strike the sun if it offended me welcome back so in part two of course we talk about key scenes dan i think yours is first well, mine goes along with what we've just been saying about Alex Cutter. And my moment, the moment that really drew me into the movie is when he comes home drunk and he bangs up the neighbor's car trying to get into his own driveway. He goes through their fence. He's laughing and honking, completely reprehensible. The guy comes out. He starts fighting with the guy. He's very vulgar with him. The cops come and Alex goes in the house. And do you remember what he changes? He puts on his army jacket. Yeah, he puts on his army jacket and then he comes out and all of a sudden he's Mr. Sober and he's talking to the cops and he gets the cop to not give him the ticket or he just gives him a ticket for like disorderly conduct or something. Um, the cop doesn't give him a breathalyzer and Alex says, I'm a cripple. And he also says, I know something about what it means to do one's duty. And the neighbor has his mouth dropped open. The viewer, at least I had my mouth dropped open. And what's so shocking about that is you can't believe he's going to use that. He's going to use this thing to get out of a DUI. And it's it, it rubs the viewer so much the wrong way for at least you know how we think about veterans and how we think about the sacrifices they've made. Like who would play that card to get out of it? And it occurred to me very much at that moment is very much like a movie we both love that we've done on the podcast before. It's like Mikey and Nikki, where the movie is about what it's like to be stuck with somebody. So 
you remember in Mikey, Nikki, John Cassavetes and Peter Falk, the movie's about how they're kind of stuck with each other and that their friendship doesn't really go forward emotionally, but just the time they've put into it, it, it starts, to, starts to like, you know, keep the friendship justified. Well, here you get stuck. They're stuck with Alex and that's what the movie's about. We are stuck with this guy. He's, he's, he can be terrible. He can be violent. He is vulgar. He's not a good person very often, but we're kind of stuck with him because we feel too guilty to, to let him go. And I think what's fascinating about the movie is you're stuck with him too. And the movie puts you kind of in that spot where you're kind of stuck with Alex Cutter and you want to see what he's going to do and you want to see where this is going. And I think that even when he does something as reprehensible as that, you kind of, you're with them because that's what the movie's about. Well, you want re- well, you want redemption, right? I right. think you I think you can't gonna... you can't get too many movies like this because the the promise of Hollywood drama is I'm going to take you down, right? But don't worry, at, we're in a nosedive, but I'm going to pull up at at the very last second. <laughs> yeah, and so it's you all going to be good, right? And so you say to yourself, well, I want to see the pull up because everything that he does, the way that he treats strangers, the way that he treats. Uh, people on the street, the way certainly the way that he treats his friends, like he he treats George, you know, forget right, forget uh, forget Richard, but you know he he treats George like he's a you know, like he's nothing, um, and so you say, well, I want to see where redemption comes into it, and the, and the movie I think clues you into what's going to happen because if you remember, um, his wife Mo uh, stops drinking for an evening, so this is your moment, right? So this so this is my moment, right? She. Um, they're gonna they're planning this plot as you were talking about to extort this oil baron and she gets sober because she's tempted to sleep with his best friend and to try to pursue some kind of life because of course she feels stuck right and she's drinking to numb herself from this awful thing that's happening and she also says terrible terrible things to people that she loves she says terrible things to richard right in the, in yeah. the first scene so she stops drinking for a day and she goes out to get actual food sustenance and she teases him about it right and basically what she's saying is well i've cleaned up put a nice dress on i went and bought some food i'm gonna make dinner and we're gonna at least play house for an evening and he wants absolutely no part of it Right. He wants to drink. He wants to go out. He wants to cause a ruckus because any kind of the normality for him is like some kind of phantom limb, which uh, he he absolutely utterly rejects and wants nothing to do with. And so I think this movie signals to you early that that there's no pull up at the last minute that this is going right into the side of a hill. And by the time that what happens happens. You, you have to ask yourself, am I sorry about it? And it's, yeah. it's, it's very difficult, right? It's like, it's like Ahab. It, it really is. It's, it's, right. it's difficult to say when you chase something, when you invite something horrible, to what extent is there dessert in the horrible thing? And, and that's a very uncomfortable conversation to have because horrible things are horrible. Okay. Welcome back. So in part three, of course, we talk about the title or the ending or the key takeaways. Dan, we we have a we have an Ahab here. I don't know what the whale is, and I don't know what what the other connection is. But what do you got? I think the whale is the murder mystery. I think the whale is proving that this guy is dirty and he killed that cheerleader. And the question, though, what you said about redemption is this: Okay, this is how Alex is going to strike back at the world, just like Ahab, right? The, the universe is meaningless, and if it's not meaningless, and if there's a designer to this universe, I'm going to strike back at, at that designer through his instrument, which is the whale, right? Well, Alex thinks the same thing. The instrument of the designer is this guy, 
chord, right? This he's he's the perfect epitome of what the world is like. So he strikes back. He literally rides in on a white horse, like 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 John Wayne or something, like the hero. But he dies. He dies just like Ahab, right? He dies by going through the window. So the question is, even if you are right, Alex, was it worth it? Was it worth, even though Cord gets what's coming to him, and we'll talk about that at the end too, but was it, was, is it really a redemption? Was it worth it? Because as you know, everybody on the Pequod dies. And in this movie, of course, you know, Alex dies too. Yeah, I, I think there, I think that there's a distinct, a distinct unredemption. I think one of the reasons that this movie is not more famous is that it, it utilizes Hollywood formulas and then throws them out and makes right. it clear that, that it's, that it's not, going to follow them but it doesn't but it doesn't do it right there's nothing charming about about alex there's nothing charming about alex there's there's something intense about john hurd's performance that makes it a beautiful performance but there's but there's nothing necessarily charming or redeeming and the movie doesn't the movie doesn't do any of that either so of course i think by the time they're in the limo it's clear that they're not worth it uh, that it's not worth it and that they're but they have nothing else to do that day right it's like the right the the reason that i got drawn into this is probably the same reason that somebody like alex got was in vietnam in the first place which is th that's i guess i was just on my way there or maybe he did maybe who knows maybe alex joined up because he thought he was going to make a difference but he turns out he didn't because remember alex does go down the ahab rabbit hole because there's that great scene where he's in georgie's guest house and he's not eating and he won't open the door and georgie can't get in and he finally gets in there and remember what's all over the pool table it's all the old news articles yeah. and things about all the evil things that that Cord has done. Because of course we find out that Cord is the one that gave Georgie the marina because he bought the marina, and Cord was responsible for killing Georgie's father. Like he, there's there's this giant octopus that Alex has uncovered, and he just wants somebody to know because I think that's what he really wants. And it's funny you said about without charm because he also reminded me of Jack Nicholson in the last detail. Jack Nicholson in the last detail is as angry as Alex is, but he still has a charm of being Jack Nicholson. And when Jack Nicholson rails against the universe, you know, you, you can understand that. Here, I guess, you know what, I guess you can understand Alex's railing against the universe as well. And you understand where he's coming from. But the question is, like I said, like, was it worth it? Was it worth it? But the, so I think that the movie violates enough norms, though, that it's almost you, you couldn't do it unless you'd literally have to have a writer's room and you'd have to write every norm down on the board. And then you'd have to have somebody read through the script and be like, well, we haven't done that yet. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let's throw a little bit of that in because it, he's not a person that you'd want to be around or get drawn into his his eddy or his momentum. And I think I think the further down he goes the more you say, well, the turnaround must be great. Well, the turnaround must be great, right? And then, and the movie literally dumps him through a window and leaves him. Yeah, he dies as he lived. And of course, everyone around him ends up, like Mo ends up dead. Jeff Bridges is not going to walk well out of that room, right? Once the cops come in. So I think that what Alex wants is, it, it, the movie almost asks, like, what does it mean to be a hero, right? He thought maybe it was his service to Vietnam. Mo thinks a hero is going on with your life. Jeff Bridges thinks being a hero is just, just going to the Marine and just doing your thing. What do you want out of this, this time you have on earth? And Alex is like, you know what? Enough of this. I'm going to do something that brings me meaning. Even 
even if it, even if it if it brings me down, even if it kills me. And that's exactly what happens with Moby Dick. What do you make of of the ending, which I think is so great about how Jeff Bridges goes over to him, feels his pulse, Cord puts his sunglasses on, and as you remember, Jeff Bridges picks up the gun and is holding Cutter's hand with the gun in it when he shoots Cord, and then the credits come on. Like, what did you make of that? There, some sacrifice has been made. Is it worth it or not? The only way to make use of it is to have different fingerprints on the gun, right? It's like it's so something's going to happen, and you're going to say, "Well, that happened because," or that, that this is a once this is a one time opportunity, right? I, well, I mean, again, literally, a window opened, right? Right. O, o, through which through which something something could become possible. Like you don't know if Jeff Bridges is going to walk away or not. Maybe Je maybe Jeff Bridges is going to say, "Well, he took he took me hostage, and then he crashed through this window. He shot this guy." And I couldn't write and I couldn't stop him. And so it the only way, the only way that 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 act means anything is if they go through with the reason that they're there, right? I, I died because now he shot and I cannot be prosecuted right. for it. It's but again, it's 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 all over the top and happenstance and chaotic in such a way that the meaning is the meaning is not clear, which I think is the meaning. The meaning of the me the meaning of the meaning is it's indecipherable. Right when when the Pequod sinks, that's it. Melville says, "Then the sea the sea rolled as it had for two thousand years or four thousand years. I forgot the number, but that 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 nothing changes. That Moby Dick is still out there. Ahab is tied to him, and that's it. And I alone am escaped to tell thee, like Ishmael says. But I think at the end, what happens? There's something going on at the end where Jeff Bridges commits, like he's trying to keep hands off, literally hands off of of the of the case, literally and figuratively. But at the end, he commits, like he pulls the trigger, and he does get drawn into Cutter's way. I mean, let think about that as a title right cutter's way okay but does he because it's not his it's it's literally not his hand but he you see what it, i mean it's right i know it's, but he it's, pulls but the it's trigger. A, kind of it's a it's a hand over the hand it's like right it's 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 about what what agency the the other people that are drawn into his wake actually have because he's been he's he's been set on fire by some horrible thing it's like in the bar right like it's like yeah if if you actually if you if you throw him out of the bar you're justified if you mm -hmm. kick him in the bar, you're justified. If he gets arrested, it's justified, right? If he dies coming through the window, it's all justified. And so he's 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 just acting on the world, and the world's reaction is all comprehensible. But the but the mixture of everything together is utterly indecipherable because yeah. it's like who's who who actually started it? What happens when somebody in your life can be toxic, but also really powerful? And they can kind of have this magnetic field around them. And you say you don't want to be involved, right? Mo says in the beginning to Jeff Bridges, I'm happy with the way things are. We know she's lying, right? You can say that all you want, but you kind of get pulled in against your own will. I, I just think that's like, you don't see that dramatized in a lot of movies, but here I think it's dramatized really well. So great pick, Mike. You can watch Cutter's Way and Criterion if you want to see it again. Hopefully we haven't ruined the whole movie for you if you haven't, but it's still worth seeing to see John Hurd's performance. You can follow us on Twitter at 15MINFILM. You can also follow us where, Mike? Letterboxd. And check out where we are on the New Books Network. And if you listen to this podcast, chances are you like to read a lot. They have so many great interviews with so many authors. Check out the New Books Network as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.